Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. But I'm going to take you to Matthew 22 and 23, and we're going to turn our attention toward the cradle today. And for the next few weeks, you're going to receive revelation knowledge that's going to help you understand how impactful this event really is. Just two verses. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Say that word. Say it again. Now, can I say to you and submit to you that there are some things that God promised you that's going to be fulfilled in your life. Many of you are going to receive this before this year is over. Don't be frustrated in what is not fulfilled yet. God knows the timing and the sequence of your future. And there's things that he has spoken to you that is going to be fulfilled before 2023 arrives. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold. I want you to shout that word. Come on. Behold. That's a very important word. A virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word, and I ask you to bless our time together today. Let your presence be the diadem of our gathering. Let us know that you have met with us today by changing lives, by healing the sick, by, by restoring the backslider, by reuniting marriages. Do what only you can do. And I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands one more time to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. High five somebody and tell them God is with us. God is with us. And then you may be seated. There's something about the presence of God that is so powerful. The presence of God is so powerful that when you walk in the spirit of the Lord, it's not very hard for you to discern if the presence of God is in a place or if it is not. I submit to you that the reason the presence of God would be in any place is because two or three people are gathered in his name. It's because a congregation would choose to give him praise even in the face of their biggest problems. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. The presence of God has been so paramount throughout 66 books of the Bible that we find it in the very barest of time That when the presence of the Lord walked in the cool of the day, he was in pursuit of what he created that became misposition. That presence has been after people from the beginning of time. There's nothing that God desires more than having communion with you. We find 
in Exodus chapter 33 that there's a dialogue and discussion going on between Moses and God concerning God's people. And God tells Moses, you will go into the promised land, but, but I'm not going with you because of the disobedience of my people. Moses takes on that pastoral role of being the pontifex between God and people. And he says, well, just let me tell you this. If your presence does not go, then I'm not going. So now we see in the heart of man that it's not only God's desire to be among us, but thank God for leaders that desire for God to be among the people. And that was Moses. The presence of God is so paramount in Scripture that when you get to Psalm 139, David says, where shall I hide from your presence? He goes so far as to say, if I make my bed in hell, you are with me. David loved the presence of God so much that even when he fell into sin with Bathsheba, he would pen the 51st Psalm with these words, Restore to me not my salvation, because I don't doubt my salvation, but restore to me the joy of my salvation because my sin has caused me to lose my joy. And he said, Lord, take not thy presence from me. That's powerful. David says, you can have anything else, but whatever you do, please do not take your presence from me. And now we find in Matthew chapter 1 that the angel comes down and he speaks a prophetic word to a virgin. And he says these words, listen, behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. He's going to later say in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. It's powerful that Jesus would inhabit all of those offices. But in chapter 7, he says, his name shall be called Emmanuel. So that when you realize God is with you, then you know for certainty you have a wonderful counselor. You know you have a mighty God. You know you have an everlasting father. You know you have a prince of peace. Have you ever asked this question? Who is with me? Now let me help y'all. Because they like your post, does not mean they are with you. That thumb just means they like what you said. It don't mean they are with you. 
It don't even mean they like you. So I just want to fix that for you because we live in a day, it seems as though everybody wants to know who's with me. And man, we've never lived in a day that it's been easier to distinguish the distinction, much less the polarization of people in the earth today. It's like everyone wants to know who is on my side. Not who's on the Lord's side. But who's on my side? The question, this question most often surfaces during seasons of conflict or times of trial. Who is with me? We've all asked the question. This question, who is with me? arises when you see people beginning to exit your life that you thought would always be around. But one by one, they ease out, and you are left wondering, who is with me? What you really want to know is who is for me. Even Jesus himself asked this question. In John chapter 6, verse 66, the Bible says from that time many of his disciples went back and they walked no more with him. Then said Jesus to the twelve, are you for me? He says, will you go away as well? And Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The idea of God with us is more correctly understood if you read the rendering of the true Hebrew title, Emmanuel. It's not just God is with us, but literally the Hebrew definition of Emmanuel is with us is God. In other words, People may leave, friends may leave, family may leave, but with us, put your hand right here and say, with us is God powerful. And in this title, we discover Emmanuel as God our protector. When I was praying this morning at about 4.15, I heard God say, if I protect you, then that means that I'm not only with you, but listen to it carefully. I am for you. Say it, say that God is for me. Religion will convince you that sometimes God is against you. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's hostility. But God is never against you. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance, not the judgment of God. Talk in the building, Pastor. It's the goodness of God that makes you change your mind. Not the harshness of God. Not the judgment of God. 
It's the goodness of God that makes you rethink your life. God is attractive, isn't he? So when you read this idea of his name shall be called Emmanuel, God is with us. You could say his name is called Emmanuel, for God is for us. There's no one that believes in you more than God. It's one thing for you to believe in God. It's a whole, I'm going to go country on you, it's a whole nother level. When you get the revelation that God believes in you. See, a lot of times we read scriptures like this and they're so familiar to us that we do not, we're not studious enough to really do in-depth study of simple Christmas passages that we've taken for granted all these years. Do you know that the word, the name Emmanuel is only mentioned twice in scripture? In Isaiah chapter 7 and in Matthew chapter 1. So in essence, it's mentioned one time. Because Matthew chapter 1 is a direct reflection to Isaiah chapter 7. The original prophecy concerning the name Emmanuel has to do with one word. Are you ready for it? Victory. Really? When you break it down, Emmanuel equals victory. Oh, Lord have mercy. You got to look at it in context. And that's what frustrates me about preachers today. We take scripture out of context and make it fit just anything. Man, I believe in studying the word of God. Properly preaching the word of God. More than that, properly applying the word of God. You'd keep yourself out of trouble if you would live by scripture. But when you look back at Isaiah chapter 7, there's something going on. The Lord said to Isaiah, take your son and go meet King Ahaz. Don't lose me, saints. Come on. Let's be students today. You're going to find him at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water to the upper pool near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. Boy, that's so detailed by God. I'm going to tell you exactly where he is. That's where Ahaz is. And God speaks to Isaiah and says, you go tell him, I know that he's worried about being attacked, that Judah is about to be attacked. And he does not know what to do. Isaiah tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he does not need to fear Emmanuel. Tell him stop worrying. When I was studying this this morning, I felt very impressed by God to tell many of you in this building to stop worrying. Here's your prophetic word of the day. Stop worrying. Worrying does not change anything in your world. I'm going to say it again. Worrying does not change one thing in your world. 
That's why the Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And the prophet tells Ahaz, stop worrying. Everybody shout it, stop worrying. You know what I see? Many of you staying up late at night worried about how your bills are going to be paid. I see many of you waking up at 2.30 in the morning worried about your health. And I came by to tell you if I don't preach nothing else to you, the Bible is clear that you are not supposed to worry. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worry by itself. Come on in this building. You know what? I speak to your spirit that is troubled and tell you stop worrying even as Isaiah told Ahaz, stop worrying. And I speak the second part to you. Do not fear. That's what he says. Tell him he doesn't need to fear. Whew. These people that are going to attack him, Isaiah says, are burned out embers. They look like fire, but they're not fire. Many of you are looking at an enemy that you think is more powerful than he really is. If he could have taken you out, he would have already taken you out. You're here on purpose. Verse 5 of Isaiah 7 says the kings of Syria, they're plotting against Ahaz and they're saying we're going to attack Judah. We're going to capture Judah. Then we will install our own king. But this is what God says. Everybody shout, but God. Watch what God says. The invasion will never happen. It will never take place. Good God and mercy. What you're worrying about is not going to happen. What you're losing sleep over is never going to take place. Many of you are concerned my marriage might not make it. It may end in divorce. I don't know if I'm going to survive. I speak to that spirit of fear and tell it to leave your life until you stop worrying about what you cannot control. God is sovereign. God is powerful. And God's got your back. He said, then, it's no, what you are worried about ain't even going to happen. It's not even going to take place. Whew. But watch what he tells him. The prophet says to Ahaz, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. See, there comes a place in your life where you have to say, somebody else can't do it for me. I can't live my life on daddy's faith. I can't live my life on my wife's prayer life. I cannot live my life on my husband's faith. There comes a time in your life where you have to stand firm in your own faith. And that's what God tells Ahaz. I can't even help you until you stand firm in your own faith. Later, the Lord sent a message to King Ahaz and said, go ahead and ask me for a sign to confirm what I'm telling you. I'll skip through it. Ahaz says back to him, who am I to ask God for a sign? And God says, if you're not going to ask me for a sign, I'm going to give you one by myself. Ask me for a sign. I'm not, I don't need a sign. He said, then I'm going to give you a sign. And here's what he says in verse 14. All right, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Watch. Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, 
and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You're not even going to see it in your day. But because it's prophetically declared in the future, you can pull out of the future what you need in your presence. In your present. Listen to me. Some of you need to call on stuff that God has established in your future and tell God, bring it into my right now. Listen, we're talking about Isaiah talking about a virgin he ain't never seen. Saying she's going to conceive and give birth to a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. When Ahaz heard that, he realized he had the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. He had the victory. And I came by to tell you, this is what Emmanuel means. Even though you can't see the victory, God has given you a sign that Jesus was born into the earth and he was called Emmanuel. Ride that thing. Live on that thing. Breathe that thing. If you believe Jesus is your victory, I double-dog dare you to give him praise right now. Not because he died, but because he was born. God is good. And this is why the angel, before he talks about the prophecy, I love people that listen, boy, I love it. I love the way some of y'all lean forward and listen. I even love the head scratches. It just tells me you want to get it. Scratch a little harder, you're going to find it. And this is why the angel starts the prophecy by saying, Cool, Lord, let him get it. Behold! That's the only word that's not in the prophecy. Behold. It means to perceive with your eyes. Discern with your spirit. Discover with your soul. Notice it. Pay attention to it so that you can experience it. Pay attention to it so you can experience it. That's strong, y'all. Pay attention to the birth so that you can experience the victory. First Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you can fight the battle well we do not behold the prophecies that have been spoken over our own lives. Folks, let me tell you, many of you have had hands laid on you by men and women of God. They've prophesied stuff to you. They've prophesied stuff about your life. The Bible has prophesied to you a great future. I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you and to give you an expected end. Sometimes you've got to pull not just promises out. You have to pull prophecy out. And you have to tell the devil, come on with it. 
because I'm going to use what God has spoken over me, what God has spoken to me. No matter what my problem says, the prophecy is stronger. Come on in this building. No matter what peril I'm in right now, the prophecy is stronger and you must fight the enemy with your prophecies. Emmanuel, God with us. Put your hand right here and say, my prophecy says. Say it loud. Come on. I have the victory. Lord, let them get the revelation that Emmanuel means God for us. God with us. I have the victory no matter what the circumstance says. I have the victory no matter what the, the doctor says. I have the victory no matter what the decree says. I have the victory no matter what I feel. I have the victory no matter what people are saying. I have the victory. Where is it? It's in your birth. Emmanuel, God is for me. promised he promised he'd be with us Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 fear not I am with you fear not I am with you be not dismayed oh I wish you would study that word dismayed mean quit falling apart Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. Stop falling apart. I'm with you. Isaiah 43 says this in verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah says in chapter 43, verse 5, Fear not, I am with you. And I will bring your seed from the east. I'm going to gather your children. Good God, have mercy. Because he is Emmanuel, he will put it all back together. Woo. If he is with us, he is for us. I'm going to end it. He will certainly protect us. If he is with us and he is for us, he will certainly protect us. Hmm. I was thinking about old Joshua and Caleb going in there and spying out that promised land. And all the people were murmuring. And they were saying, we look like grasshoppers. Numbers 14.5 says Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Boy, it's bad when you got people so set against you that they just cave you in. And you, they just fell down. All these people out to kill us. They're wearing us out. <laughs> but two of them, but two of the men that explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, tore their clothes. And they said to all the other people, 
The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Watch now. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Listen to the warning. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid. These people that are against us are helpless prey to us. Listen what he says. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. The enemy has no protection. But the Lord is what? Emmanuel. The Lord is with us. I'm thinking of Paul in Acts chapter 18 verse 9. When the Lord spoke to Paul in the middle of the night. And he said don't be afraid. Keep preaching. Don't hold your peace. Keep preaching. For I am with you and no man will set their hand on you to hurt you. <laughs> Can I keep going? Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, at my first answer, no man stood with me. Do you ever ask, who is with me? And Paul said, I look for somebody, and no man stood with me. They all forsook me. I pray, God, that it be not held against their charge. Notwithstanding, wait a minute, the Lord stood with me. And when he stood with me, he strengthened me. <laughs> Paul said he was with me. I was thinking of Samuel. God was with Samuel, and he shook the earth for one man. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. The lions are supposed to be killing him and they're laying down at his feet because the Lord was in the lion's den with Daniel. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the three Hebrew boys that were thrown in a fiery furnace simply because of what they was convicted about. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose in there, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth looks like the Son of God. What did I just tell you? That even when you're in the lion's den, he is Emmanuel. Good God of mercy. Even when you're in the fiery furnace, he is Emmanuel. He is Somebody shouted, God is with us, and God is for us. And that's why Zephaniah says in chapter 3, verse 17, the Lord your God is in the midst of thee, and he is mighty, and he will save, and he will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. Did you hear what I said? The Lord your God is in the midst of you. He is with you, and he is mighty to save. What are you doing today, Pastor Rick? I'm trying to convince you of the fact that there's nothing you can go through in life. There's no place you can find yourself in life that God is not with you and that God is not for you. And that's reason enough for you to clap your hands and shout to God because he is always with you.
In Romans 8, Paul's revelation that God is with us was and is forever interwoven into the inseparable truth that if God is with us, he is for us. In 28, he says, and we know that all things, 828, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are the call according to his purpose. <laughs> but when you get to verse 31, He says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Once you get the revelation of who is with you, it don't matter who you think is against you. Talk back to me in this building. Once you know God is with you, if God is with us, then who can be against us if he is with us he is for us he protects us would he not provide for us keep reading Romans chapter 8 get past 31 and get to 32 he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give you all things if he's going to protect you He's going to provide for you. Why would he keep something? Why would he guard something and then not supply it? And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. How? By Emmanuel. By Christ Jesus. Man, I hope you're getting encouraged today. I didn't come in here to get on. Y'all come in here to get with you. To tell you, hey, stop worrying. Stop fretting. Stop fearing. You have a God that is not living somewhere in the distance. He's not somewhere else. He's not way over there. He is right here, right now. He is with you. Wake up. Pay attention. Recognize. He's there. I am the Lord. Psalm 81 verse 10. Who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I'm going to feel it. If I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to be for you. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. God is good. So we're coming to church today. That was the end of my message right there. I'm done with it. I'm saying when I was on the way to church. And I'm thinking, Lord, why wouldn't you give me the apex of this message? what the most country preachers call the clincher. Lord, give me the hook. Give me that last thing that's going to pull them in. Oh, that's good preaching, God, but I need something that's going to hook them. Right in the jaw and drag them to the altar. I need something that's going to make them go, oh, there it is. 
I look at my beautiful, gorgeous partner, spouse, wife, the good thing in my life. And we going down the road, and she looking more fine, finer than frog hair today. <laughs> we coming down the road, and I'm in the spirit. You hear me? I'm in the spirit. I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, you fine. But I'm in the spirit. And I said, Giovanna, I need you to read to me a passage of scripture that the Lord just dropped on me. She started reading it. Right in the middle of her reading it, she said, oh, my God. I said, what is it, babe? She said, this happened to me. I said, what happened to you? She said, I was, she told me this story before. She was coming home at 3 in the morning. <laughs> this is BR. Not before Christ. This is before Rick. <laughs> she was coming home. And she said, she dozed off of something, but her car flipped. And when it flipped, it flipped. And she said, all I can remember saying, what was it, baby? The blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. But you said it in Spanish. How do you say it in Spanish? Come up here. Stand right here. No, y'all going to get it now. You're going to get it because this is how she talks to me at the house. I said, la sangre de Cristo tiene poder. Say it like you said. La sangre de Cristo tiene poder. And she said that's the last thing she remembers saying. The blood of Jesus is powerful. I said, babe, what are you saying? She said, I didn't realize it at that moment. But God was with me. And she said, if God wasn't with me, there's no way that I survived that car crash. And I told her, read the Bible. Go to Genesis chapter 28. God gave me the apex. Verse 10. And Jacob laid down in a certain place and he tarried all night because the sun was set. And he took stones from that place and laid down, used the stones for pillows and a place to sleep. And he dreamed a dream. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on that ladder. I don't know if you know what that represents, but that's your prayers going up and God's answers coming down. And behold, the Lord stood above the ladder. And he looked at Jacob and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. I am the God of Isaac, the land where you lie. To thee will I give it and to your children. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Stay with me. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. 
And in you and in your seed shall all the families be blessed. Now let's give God a praise right there, but it ain't done. It ain't done. That's already good. Whew. And the Lord said, now here's your apex. I told you I'm going to read verse 15. What else did God tell Jacob? Whew. Verse 15, he says, and behold, I am with you. Whew. I am Emmanuel. And I will keep you in all places wherever you go. If he's with you, he's going to protect you. If he's for you, he's going to protect you. And he says, Jacob, I am with you and I'm going to protect you wherever you go. And he said, then I'm going to bring you back to your promise, to this land. For I will not leave you. Y'all better get this word. I am Emmanuel for this reason. I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. I'm not with you just to be with you. I'm not with you just to protect you. I'm not with you just to provide for you. But I am with you to do everything in your life that I promised you that I'm going to do. I need about 10 people to grab hold of that word that says God is with me. And he's with me to perform everything he said he would do. Watch it now. And Jacob awake out of his sleep. And watch what he said. The Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. God was with me. And I didn't even know it. You can stand. God was with me in that wreck. And I didn't even know it. Jacob would say, God was with me when I was laying down, running for my life. And I didn't even know it. Can I tell you? That when you were sitting in the corner of that smoky bar room and you were trying to get away from God, that God was right there holding you, that God loved you enough not to leave you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus came into this earth with these words. Listen to it. His name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. When he left this earth, he said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Are y'all in the building? I came into this earth as Emmanuel. I left this earth as Emmanuel. I am with you. And Jacob said, the Lord was in this place. And I didn't even know it. And he was afraid. And he said, how dreadful is this? This has to be the house of God. That's powerful. The house of God, he said, the gate of heaven. That when you realize that God is with you, the greatest place to receive that revelation is in the house of God. 
People should come to church every Sunday learning God's with me. If you don't hear anything else when you come to church, you should know by being in church, man, God's still with me. And that'll bring your strong man to his knees because you know you disqualified yourself from his presence, but he's still with you. And when you leave church, you ought to leave the house of God saying, God is with me. He's not only with me, he's for me. If he's for me, he protects me. If he protects me, he provides for me. If he provides for me, he will do everything that he promised he would do.